Turn with me in your Bibles to Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9. We are in this series entitled, Teach Us to Pray. Uh, Based on the scripture in Luke where the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you teach us to pray? And he gives them the Lord's Prayer. We're not necessarily going over the Lord's Prayer every single week. What we're looking at is a number of different heart postures that you can have when you pray. Heart posture is a real Christian way of saying how you approach prayer as a strategy, right, when you pray. The first week we talked about a posture of adoration where we, we don't lead with the need in our life. We lead with the praise that's in our hearts. We, we lead with honoring God and telling God who he is, not because he's forgotten, but to remind our inner man that God is able and God is worthy. And by the end of it, you know you prayed yourself into a frenzy because God will do whatever you need because you've honored him and you've glorified him. And then last week, Danny did a great job talking about the, the posture of forgiveness that you have to come to God based on how you have already forgiven someone in order to be forgiven. Amen? And so hopefully you cleaned your life up, you got that together, and you got no issues this week. Amen? You came in here burden-free in Jesus' name. Burden of others, that is, in Jesus' name. But we look at our text, we find our text today in Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Listen to what Daniel says. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, while I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in the vision at first, came to me in a swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Come on, let's take a moment here and pray. Father, we just posture our hearts before you, asking you to be with us this morning. Would you open our spiritual ears and give us understanding? Would you give us understanding, Lord God, that we would sow your word into our hearts and not just leave with information, but Lord, take it to cause transformation in our lives. Come on, let the church say amen. amen. Early on in my life, uh, my mother decided that it was going to be a great idea to teach me all of the heavy topics that she could teach me as a kid in the Word of God. And so here I was, four years old, one day sitting with my mother and my siblings, and she's teaching me about sin. Four years old, I have no grid for sin, no understanding of sin, but here's what I knew, David, that if I had sin in my life and went to go meet God, I was going to burn in hell. Now, you could understand what that kind of teaching might do to a four-year-old. I don't want to burn in this room, let alone burn in hell. And then she described all of eternity to me. It was forever. And she's just going on and on. And here I am, and I begin to weep because I realize I've got sin in my life. Four years old, convicted of my sin. And now she's asking me, well, well, Felipe, what's your sin? What is your sin? And I'm sitting there embarrassed amongst my siblings, the youngest of four. I can't talk about my sin in front of them. Oh, no. And so she kicks everybody out of the room and she goes, Felipe, what is your sin? And I said, Mom, I've been eating cinnamon. <laughs> True story, no exaggeration. And she laughs at me. Now I know I'm going to hell. 
Like, mom gave up on me. She's mocking me. And I'm just sitting there like, I'm ready to go to hell because of my cinnamon. And she's like, that's not what I'm talking about. But here's what mom was trying to teach me, that when you confess your sin and bring it into the light, right, that there's no shame and condemnation. More than the power of sin in my life, she was teaching me the power of confession and how at any age I can bring before the Lord what I need to because he will forgive me and love me through it. Now, in the story that we just read in the scripture with Daniel, Daniel is a man who loves God. And as you hear the angel tell him, he is greatly loved by God. And Daniel, he has taken and he wants to receive answers to his prayer. So he is praying to God. He's been reading the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah talks about the punishment of Israel and why they're being punished. And he begins to understand that Israel is punished and, and here's what I mean by punished. They've been taken by another nation captive, and they, have, not, they don't even have their own king. Israel has been destroyed. The, 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 the temple's been destroyed, and Jerusalem has been destroyed. And Daniel is saying to God, God, you can't keep us in this position forever. I thank God that he doesn't keep us in punishment. I thank God he doesn't keep us in discipline. And so Daniel is beseeching the throne of God, and, and he's going after it. And this is where we find Daniel. He's praying. But listen to verse 20. While I was speaking and praying and confessing my sin and the sin of my nation. I love that, that in the midst of him confessing his sin, he receives an answer from the Lord. I want to digress for 10 seconds to let you know that sometimes when you are in sin, it dulls your spiritual hearing. And until you walk in a posture of confessing what is wrong in your life, even though you know that God knows it, you got to bring it into the light. When you do that, it sharpens your spiritual ears. It removes the, the spiritual wax from your ears. It removes the mess that's there for you to hear from the Lord. Some of us are trying to hear from God with ears filled with sin. We've been desensitized because we keep on doing it. We're in this pattern, this loop, this vicious cycle of sin. You with me so far? So Daniel had taken a posture of confession. He's confessed his sin and he's also confessed the sin of his nation. He confessed their wickedness, their rebellion, their lifestyle was wicked, their hearts were wicked, and they had rebelled against God. He confessed that they reject God's holy word. They were guilty of turning away from the commandments and the law of God. He confessed their failure to listen to the prophets. He confessed and faithfully, who, who, he understood they had faithfully proclaimed the word of God over the years and centuries, but Israel had rejected all of it. He confessed their unfaithfulness to the Lord's word and their inability to live righteously and to get involved with the nation surrounding them and all of their idolatry and their false gods and how they were totally depraved. In verse 7, he goes all in God. We are lost. He understands that their good deeds are his dirty rags. He goes before the Lord and he's beginning to confess all of the sins. He, he actually confesses their ingratitude for the revelation that God had given them of his word, how they had disobeyed it, had broken his laws and his commandments. And don't worry, you've never been anywhere near there. You have walked perfectly before the Lord. When you walk, angels sing. Daniel is confessing all of this sin. And right there in the midst of that confession, the angel of the Lord shows up. 
Now, from Old Testament to New Testament, pre-cross and post-cross, there is a call for the body of Christ and for the believer and for the sons and daughters of God to live in the posture of confession. Now, many of us don't confess to God on a regular basis. I heard a couple of mmms. The silence is deafening in this room upon that statement right there. We don't confess oftentimes because we aren't walking in the light and we're used to keeping that kind of sin in our lives in the shadows. We don't recognize the need for confession or we blindly live so deeply in sin that we're no longer convicted of the things that we should be confessing. Yeah, that one's a tough one, guys, because oftentimes we get so desensitized to our mess that we literally will go on with our lives as if we are not in sin at all. And we think, well, God knows everything. Why do I have to confess it? I can just go before the Lord and he knows my heart. And my response to people, especially unbelievers, to tell me, God knows my heart is this, is that it's exactly why you're going to hell, because he knows your heart. The heart is the most deceitful of all things. Your heart is wicked, the Bible says. The world says, follow your heart, and God's like, please don't. Please do not. And when I talk about heart, I'm not talking about your beating heart. The heart in the Bible is defined as the center of a person, the seat of moral authority and decision in their life. And as you make decisions in your life based on where your heart is, you will make either decisions for good or decisions for evil. The, the, the more your heart leans towards secrecy and sin, your heart becomes more vile and you will more frequently make decisions that don't honor God. But don't worry, that's not you. You ain't never chose to watch a vile show on television rather than pray at night. Don't that, not you. You, you, don't worry. You never chose, you never chose to tell somebody to shut up while they gossip to you. You just entertained it and then said, well, we'll pray. Because you wanted the tea. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry. That's not y'all. That's for first service, not second service. First service, if you're watching, I'm glad you got it because they don't need it here. Don't worry. You've never gone taking a left when God said turn right in your life. You see, when we lean more towards the wrong thing, yeah, your heart is wicked. The seat of authority in your life has to go towards the Lord on a constant basis. The other reason many people don't confess is it's really simple. It's one word, shame. If I vocalize it, if I tell somebody, hmm, men, I got you, don't worry. You can be real quiet on this one. This is why many men can't tell their spouses everything because of the shame that comes on them. Don't worry, you're sitting real quiet next to your spouse like, not me, babe. Nothing wrong in my head. I'm living righteous. Ladies, y'all ain't no better sometimes. Some of the things that run through, you can suck your teeth, I don't care. Some of the things that go through y'all head. Some of the vile thoughts. Some of the downright evil thinking we have that we don't want to bring before the Lord. He already knows. If I spent a day in your head, will we still be friends? The answer is yes, because I have no option but to look at you as God sees you. Because that's true Christianity. I've had people tell me, I was mad at you for X amount of months. And I'm like, great, want to grab lunch? I don't care. I wasn't mad at you. Let's move on. I hated you. I thought you were this. I thought you were that. All right, um, great. You want to grab a cup of coffee or something? Because I, I can only look at you as a leader as God sees you. 
that's the heart of the Lord. But why aren't we confessing, right? Because we're afraid of that shame. We're afraid of that condemnation. But here's point number one. That confessional prayer leads to conversation, not condemnation. It leads to God having a conversation with us. Look at Gabriel as he comes in. He begins to have a conversation with Daniel about a revelation God was going to give him. And you may not get that revelation. That's all right. But you will get a conversation with the Holy Spirit because he will begin to ask you, well, Johnny Moore, why is that issue in your life? He'll begin to bring things to the forefront. As Daniel is in this posture of confession, he gets a response from the Lord. This is not to say the moment you confess, the angel Gabriel's going to show up. But it is to say that when you confess, it opens the door for God to minister to your heart. God's not looking to shame you. God's not looking to, to tell you you've fallen short. He's looking to help you and to forgive you. Romans 8, chapter, chapter 8, verse 1. There is now, therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. A lifestyle of confession brings liberty to the believer. A lifestyle of confession, posturing your heart in prayer as you seek the Lord, God forgives. Isn't that good news that God forgives from the Old Testament to the New Testament? We're looked at and called to confess. Matthew chapter 3 verse 6, talking about John the Baptist as he baptized people. And they were baptized by him in the River Jordan, confessing their sins. Mark chapter 1 verse 5, and all the country of Judea and all Jerusalem were going out to him and they were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. 1 John chapter 1 verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. You see, confessional prayer, it brings conversation with God, church. Beloved, it, it brings this dialogue between you and the Lord where you can be direct with God. God, I am struggling with some things in my life. Struggling with some pain. I'm struggling with some hurts. I'm struggling with some old wounds. I'm struggling with some bad thought processes. God, I am struggling. If you bring it to him, he's faithful and just to forgive. Point number two, that true confession leads to revelation. It leads to revelation, church. And it might not be the revelation Daniel got. Because in the text that we just read, in the, the verses that follow, Daniel went and got a, a revelation that was spanning a time frame of over 400 years. God gave him a revelation all the way to the year 70 AD, telling him in the end, Jerusalem would be destroyed again, even after you build it back up. And that was years after Jesus died, that Jerusalem was completely destroyed again. Daniel got a crazy revelation. Now listen, church, you may not get that kind of revelation, but he may reveal to you why you're in that sin pattern. He may reveal that you are dealing with deeper issues than what you're thinking about. And you're confessing small things, but there's a bigger symptom and source of that issue in your life. And in that confession, it says he cleanses us and he takes all unrighteousness out of us. That's good news. Because when you bring it to God, when you, it's like going to the doctor. You know, doc, I, I, you know, I got this issue. Well, what are the symptoms? Well, when I cough, I sound like a dog barking. You know, when I breathe real deep, I get real tired. And he's like, well, maybe you got some kind of, you know, 
bronchial infection or something like that. And he goes in, checks, yeah, you got bronchitis. And, and you're like, nobody got time for that. No, just too late. That's, I just aged myself. <laughs> Somebody caught that. Praise God. And, and you're like, you got bronchitis. And you're like, oh my goodness. He gives you medicine and you deal with it. Like that with God, when you confess, he doesn't stay at the symptom. Like, God, forgive me for cussing my wife out. He's like, but why were you angry? Well, she had done this, but why did that trigger you? Well, because when I was a kid, and then he starts dealing with your issues. You can't get that through hiding from God. You can't get that with God. You know what I need. You need to confess. Our greatest need is not material things, right? It's when we get ministered to by God. When we stand before him, when we have this need in our life, the confessions of our hearts, when they come before the Lord, it causes something to happen where he is able to address our lives. Now, here's the part. And I'm going to just going to preface this by saying what I'm going to say next is really probably like 10 percent of you would do this. I just want to be honest. It's going to be really uncomfortable. But here's what the Bible says. This is just the Bible. This is scripture, not pastor. Because y'all want to hide in your closet and just pray to God. I told the Lord and you're still in sin. You repent on Sunday, sinning on Monday, right? Yeah. But James chapter 5 verse 16 says this. Therefore, confess your sins. One, two. He ain't talking about no priest in a confessional booth where you feel real private about your sins. He's telling you, go find an accountability partner. Because many reasons why believers don't exit their sin is because they're still the only one who know about it with God. And as long as you can keep it in the darkness and you don't got to tell nobody, you don't have to actually change nothing. But if Gary comes and says, Pastor, I'm struggling with X, Y, and Z, I can be like, hey, Gary, how are you doing X, Y, and Z? I can check up on you. I can hold you accountable. No, I didn't just cuss. I just said a big Christian word, right? Accountability within the community brings restoration. It brings righteousness. Oh, but what if I tell somebody and they gossip about me? That's a risk you might take. Find the right people. I have enough. Find somebody else. Praise God. Find brothers with brothers, sisters with sisters. Watch this. Listen to what it says. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. It don't say gossip. It don't say judge. It don't say look at them with, with, with funny looking eyes like, hmm. Oh, really? The revelation you will get is this, is I ain't the only one struggling with that. Oh, you too? I, I'm dealing with the same thing. I, I struggle with that too. I got some issues in that area as well. But some of you want to act like you're on your high Christian horse. Mm, not me. Confess your sins one to another. Be open and real about the foolishness in your life and you will begin to expose the enemy. And when shame comes off of you, there's a freedom that you can't understand. Are you sick in your body? Listen to what he says. He says, pray for one another that you may be healed. Especially if you're sick, you should be confessing your sins one to another. Here's what he says. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working, but you got to put it to work. He says, confess one to another. That's uncomfortable. I don't want to tell nobody about my issue. Nah, I'm going to take it to God. God knows. Yeah, he does know, but that's why 
God told us through his word. That's the, bro- the biological brother of Jesus, James. He's telling us, listen, you got to talk to somebody. Look at the person next to him. Talk to somebody. Talk to somebody. And if they're going to judge you for what you tell them, God will deal with them. Because the church, the church should not look down on one another because of the issues you have in your heart. And somebody would say, well, you can't judge me. Well, the Bible doesn't say that either. The Bible tells us to judge. It tells Christians to judge one another. We're supposed to, to deal with one another. But it tells us don't judge the world. They're sinners. Why are we looking at them from our standards? I, I want to challenge you to find an accountability partner this week. To get with somebody and say, I- I've got some, I- I got some issues. You want to hear a secret? We all got issues. I got two other secrets to tell you. Ladies, all men are crazy. Men, all women are crazy. It's just, you gotta decide what kind of crazy you're willing to deal with for the rest of your life. My wife chose the upper level of crazy. She chose the maximum capacity crazy. But when you confess, it brings revelation. When you're real, you begin to realize that I I was stuck in my little corner thinking I was by myself when the Lord had already instructed me what to do. But when I did it, finally I realized, me too. I'm with you. I've been there. We get revelation of our continued need for the grace of God, for the forgiveness of God. We get revelation that God is still able. His grace is still sufficient. And no, you might not get a prophetic insight for 600 years, 400 years, but you know what you will get? You will get revelation of how to walk righteously before the Lord. I'm not talking about shallow confessions, church, because shallow confessions, they produce shallow results. You can't get a deep move of God from a shallow confession. You can't get deep change with shallow confessions. You can't get those things out of your life without being honest and real. Here's the the good news that Jesus is able. So number one, when we confess and we have confessional prayer in our lives, it leads to conversation, not condemnation. Secondly, that when we, listen to me, when we confess, it leads to revelation in our lives about the true condition and the source of our illness in our lives, the source of our sinfulness. Well, pastor, are those the only two reasons that I should confess? Well, the answer is absolutely, unequivocally, no. And I want to thank you for asking good questions while I preach because that makes it so much easier for me to preach. A good job to you guys. The answer is no. We don't just confess because of those reasons. As a matter of fact, we're, we're called to confess daily before the Lord, to live a daily lifestyle of confession. Well, Pastor, why should I do that? In Revelations, the book of Revelations, Jesus writes in the first few chapters seven letters to seven churches. These are prophetic letters to seven prophetic churches and he wrote them to certain regions of the earth but there were seven prophetic pictures of the future of the church and the condition of the church that we would find ourselves in and listen to revelations chapter 3 verse 5 jesus talking the one who conquers will be clothed thus in white garments and i will never blot his name out of the book of life i will confess his name before my father and before his angels this is really big John tells us that we should confess our sins and the result is that he will cleanse us from unrighteousness. 
and we're made righteous, meaning that Jesus removes blemishes and he removes sin from our lives. That person, that person is the one who conquers. And when Jesus, right, when he cleanses us, as the Old Testament says, he makes our sins, right, white as snow. He purifies us. Jesus calls that in Revelation 3, 5, giving us white garments. He says to that person, I will never blot their name out of the book of life. What does that mean? For if you're new in church, the book of life, when you give your life to Jesus, the scripture says that God writes your name in the book of life. And when you go before the Lord on your day of judgment, he will open the books. And if your name is there, you are saved. But here's what Jesus says. I'll confess you to my father. Point number three, real simple. If I confess my sin, Jesus will confess my salvation. If I confess my sins, Jesus will confess my salvation. He will confess before the Father. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jose, that's my son. Yep, 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 yep. That brother right there. You, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, you. One of ours. That's one of ours right there. Imagine standing before the Lord. And Jesus, he wants to, he just, he can't. I want to challenge you that one day we're going to all stand before God. And Jesus says this, if you live in a posture of confession, and he didn't suggest we confess, he commanded us to confess. He commands us, right? That if you would do that, I'll confess you to my dad and before his angels. I love that. Here's what he's saying. I won't be shy about it. Jenny, he's like, I don't care who's in the room. I'm going to tell everybody that's one of mine. He's going to silence the whole throne. Oh, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Gary, one of ours. He'll confess us. Quan, yeah, yeah, that's one of mine right there. Yeah, that's one of mine. He'll confess you before the Father and the heavenly hosts. I don't know about you, but that raises the value of keeping short accounts with God. That raises the value as a believer for me to live a lifestyle of confession. That in that person of my confession, he says that person, they're going to be clothed in white garments. They will have overcome, they've conquered, they've overcome temptations and all the evil of the world and they have stood by my side. Daniel was there, he's one of those guys, he's been confessing. I wanna challenge you that as you confess, you will receive renewal and cleansing from the Lord. And here's what I'm not saying, I'm not saying that you're gonna earn your salvation by confessing your sins. That's not what Pastor Lewis is saying. I'm saying that as we confess our sins, we encounter more of Jesus. We gotta stop settling for the base level Jesus. We gotta stop settling for getting a ticket to get through the door and start looking for the deeper rooted issues of our life to get them out to be able to stand before the Lord one day and say, I am here. And I know that you're gonna confess my name to your Father because I've been faithful. I've walked in righteousness. Come on, stand with me this morning. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life free, a life adoring the Lord, a life forgiving others, and a life confessing my own sin, that I live in a posture of prayer before the Lord where I cleanse myself daily.
daily. You know, months ago, I started doing this every, being so intentional every single day about confessing my sin before the Lord and even telling other people about the struggles of my heart. And let me tell you something, there's no replacement for true freedom in Jesus. There's nobody who can condemn you because you've already told Jesus and your friends everything about you. There's nothing like that. Are you with me? Every single day. I want to challenge you this week to live a life of confession. Find an accountability partner. Find somebody who you can get with and say, you know what? I know that I need to walk before the Lord. I want to walk righteously. Amen. Would you bow your heads across the sanctuary? And God's been so good to us this morning. Jesus, we honor your presence. Maybe there's some of you here today. Come on with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. There's some of you here today who you know, you know that you need the first thing you have to do is to admit that you're a sinner. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and confess with your mouth. Maybe you need to make a decision for Christ that you've never asked Jesus as your Lord and Savior or you have in the past, but you know that you've walked away from the truth in your life. If that's you and you want to make a decision for Christ here today, would you do me a favor and lift your hand as high as you can with no shame because we're not ashamed of the gospel. Come on, thank you. I see you over there. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on. We're not ashamed of the gospel. We're not ashamed of our need for Jesus. He said, if you will confess, I will forgive you. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask you people, a few of you raised your hand. I want you to be so bold right now. I want you to be bold. If you raise your hand, would you meet us at the front right here? Will you step outside your row? Don't be afraid. Come on. Don't be afraid to step out in your row. Come on. We've all done it. Come on. We've all been there with our need to receive Jesus. Come on. Come on. No shame. Jen, you can pray with her, Jen. And look at look what God can do when you just ask. That's right. Come on, I'm waiting for you. Come on. Come on. Come on. And that was the first scan to go up. Come on. Would you do me a favor? Would you extend your hands to them as they're getting ministered to? Come on, let's take a moment and just linger in the presence. We're on time today, amen? Let's just linger in the presence here. Would you intercede for them? And if you should be up here but you're not, there's still time. Come on, open your mouths, church. Intercede for them right now. We don't know what they need, but God knows what they need. If you're online, there are people who are standing by, willing and ready to pray with you. I want to challenge you to put something in the comments and let them know that you want prayer and you want salvation. And we will pray with you right now. Father God, every heart, come on, every heart, Lord God, would you touch them right now? Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your work in their lives. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Come on. We're the intercessors. Come on. We're the prayer warriors. Thank you, Lord. We just honor you, Jesus. We honor you, Jesus. Jesus, we honor you. 
Now, if you're still in your seat, would you do me a favor and just bow your head as they're being ministered to? I want to give you an opportunity to be ministered to. Maybe you're in this room and you know Jesus. My hope is that you're sitting in your seat because you know God. Because if not, you should be here saying, you know, Pastor Lewis, I need to make a commitment to Christ. But if you know God, but that you also know simultaneously that you're not walking in the light and there are hidden sins in your life, there are things you haven't confessed, there are things you don't bring before God, and there's shame on your life, if that's you, with no shame in your heart, would you lift your hand as high as you can? I want to just pray for you right in your seat. I want to pray for you. Thank you. Come on. Thank you for your honesty. That's right. Just lift your hand. If that's you, you know there's issues in your life that you need to bring before the Lord, but you haven't brought them yet. Come on, hands as high as you can. No shame. There's no shame today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father God. You're not by yourself. Come on. There's hands up all over. Come on. You are not by yourself. There are hands up everywhere. There is no shame in the house of God. There is no condemnation today. Father, I pray for every person who was bold enough to lift their hands to indicate, Pastor Lewis, I got some things in my life that I need to bring before the Lord. Father, I pray for a boldness on your sons and your daughters to turn from their sins, to confess them, to walk away from them, Lord God. That you would be glorified, God. That you would be lifted up, Lord Jesus, in their life. That we would become children of light. That we would walk in the light. We would not walk in darkness. We would not walk in sin. But Father, that we would bring those things to you, God. We ask you now, Lord Jesus. We rebuke shame off of your sons and daughters. We rebuke condemnation. Father, I pray that we walk with accountability partners. Father, I pray that we would take this word seriously and we would live a life of confession, Lord God. A life of confession, Lord God. That by your grace, we will overcome. That by your mercy, we will overcome Jesus. Come on, we need you, Lord God. We need you, Lord Jesus. Come on, we pray this in your name, Lord God. Let the church say amen. And amen. Come on, isn't God awesome? Come on, if God's been good to you, give him a praise across the room. God's been faithful. Hallelujah. I want to encourage you all. There is one more day left of City Fest. Drag any friend you know who doesn't know Jesus. I don't care if it's your mother, your uncle, your cousin, somebody. And I pray that you'll, you'll meet us tonight. Amen. It's going to be an awesome time. Lift your hands so we can bless you before you go. Father, I just pray right now that you bless every son and daughter in this room to you who are exceedingly abundantly able to do above all that we can ask or imagine. We give our week to you. We give our life to you. Bless this week, Lord God. Let it be a week of fruitfulness and freedom as we bring our lives into the light. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, the church says amen. Come on, greet somebody on your way out.